0: space this week we're talking about the transporter one mission from spacex 143 satellites into orbit we're talking about cubesats, the problem of tracking all that stuff and all the orbital debris we have can space handle it that's what we're answering this week on the balance thanks for joining us Welcome to the All Things Space podcast. I am your space science podcast host from the East Coast, Alex Girofanos. Welcome to the show. As you can see, I'm rocking out my new t-shirt. A little Stark Industries for today's podcast because we're, we're talking about the space industry today and we're going to be talking about uh, the little thing we like to talk about here called the balance. We know about the balance from the force, good and evil, but there's also a balance in life, right? There's a balance in how we approach our daily life, right? I'm going to, I'm going to share a little bit about where I'm finding balance in my life, and try to connect it to what's going on in the space industry. This week, there's a lot going on. Obviously, we're still waiting to hear about the Starship launch. Starship SN9 got real close on Monday to launch. It didn't Tuesday here. It's 6.20 p.m. here on Tuesday, the 26th of January 2021, and most likely it's going to be tomorrow. I, I, I doubt it's going to happen today, but... That will probably be our last podcast of January. We'll be covering Starship and 9 Fingers crossed that it actually happens before the end of the month. And then we're going to start February off with all things Mars. So just a quick recap. The entire month of February is going to be about Mars and, of course, Black History Month. So we're going to be going through not only all the missions and the things about Mars, but we'll be celebrating Black History in the space program. We'll we'll focus on NASA this year. And if you guys have anyone that you'd like us to talk about, please let us know. But that's going to be February. So, So get ready for that. We're going to have a ton there. I'm doing a lot of research, reading books, which is not my greatest strength, but doing that as well as listening to podcasts and researching. So... Look forward to that. Today's episode, though, we have to talk about what's happened recently with this ride share opportunity that SpaceX did, which is Transporter One. They launched 143 satellites at one time, which is a record. We'll get into more of the details about the mission in a second. But this episode is about this idea of whether or not, and we're, we're asking the question. I'm giving my thoughts and I'm providing some information about is the space industry ready For This surge of small satellites and are we ready to handle more space orbital debris? We've got a ton of it. Are we ready for that? That's what we're going to be tackling today, but also celebrating the historic record of 143 satellites deployed at one time. CubeSats are what I went to school and ended up studying in my major qualifying project, my big senior project in college. We'll talk a little bit more about that later, but let's dive into this and talk about Transporter 1.0. And what made that mission so amazing. Alright so I've got my notebook here because there's a lot to cover I've gone through a bunch of different articles kind of put together as much of the information as I could about who was on this list because it wasn't just one customer that launched 143 satellites in fact even SpaceX sent 10 of their own Starlink satellites on that mission and this idea of ride sharing into space is obviously not new we know people uh, use ride sharing in real life it's a real application obviously not now in the time of covid that industry has definitely taken a hit but we were using ride sharing for people that couldn't afford the money to put down for a car and to have their own or or maybe they wanted to get place to place without using public transport or even just that wasn't available right it was a it was a A budget-friendly way of getting around and it was very popular and it gave a lot of people a lot of value. No different here from this Transporter 1 program, but also just this whole idea of sending small satellites into orbit. And SpaceX is by no means new to this party or one of the first. They just happen to be doing it because it brings money and there's a lot of value for it and... They have an amazing vehicle to bring it up there, and they're already a big player in the industry. And they obviously have the engineers behind them to do something crazy, like launch 143 of these at a time and still track them and help make sure that they get to orbit safely. There's plenty of other people. I mean, NASA created a whole new tier of launch providers just for CubeSat and small satellite deployment into space. There's companies like Firefly and Rocket Lab, and even the, the Space Launch System was intended to basically send a you know original mission, whether it's Artemis going to the Moon or anywhere else. They would also be able to have the capability of launching different satellites, Cube satellites, into different orbits. There's a, a mission we came across the other day called the Luna Map, uh, L-U-N-A-H, and it's basically looking for hydrogen on the dark sides of the moon and it would be a cube satellite mission it's one of the first to actually launch into space so an actual team of people in college which is very similar to what i did but they're super close to actually be able to launch and one of those missions literally is a small satellite something like this size this is literally a cube satellite and we'll get into more about this here but this is just how simple this idea is is sending something that's very very small compact you you get to send a bunch of people into space that is the value here is going into space without having to need a whole bunch of money to do so that is the game that's being played here in the industry transporter one did that pretty much flawlessly so let's go through some of the stats here again we talked about this before 143 satellites were deployed from a whole bunch of different people, businesses, companies, organizations. The previous record was held by India where they released 104 spacecraft in one mission. And that was back in 2017. This happened uh, last Sunday at 10.15 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that would have been January 24th of this year, 2021. It's also the 73rd recovery of a Falcon 9. So just showing you how versatile having a reliable rocket to go to orbit especially low earth orbit around around earth itself can can be for a company and how lucrative that could be and interestingly enough so those 142 satellites deployed within 59 to an hour and a half at 59 minutes to an hour and a half after the launch happened and and that's the the real magic of the the space industry and, and launching into space right it really does happen pretty quickly when you consider you know i could drive 30 minutes and and not even be outside of my own state right the fact that they can be in orbit (laughs) in under an hour is insane and one of the interesting things especially about this transporter one program what SpaceX is offering essentially is that you can launch up to 150 kilograms at 2.2 million dollars so you need to put down 2.2 million dollars to send one of your satellites again Utilizing something small and compact like this CubeSat here that NASA provided, this 3D model that I 3D printed, thanks to our lab, AG3D. Uh, You can check out more about us at AG3D-printing.com, but we'll talk about that more later. But there's different variations you could do with this satellite, right? You can have one of these. You can stack uh, a bunch of them up. You could have, like, three of these tall. There's also other variations where we've seen uh, people will go three of these tall and two wide. So you've got six CubeSats. And you're able to put the components inside, uh, have little openings on the side, as you can see here, where you can literally have uh, power here. You have your solar cells all over, so you can get power. And that's what this mission did: is it deployed these satellites into sun synchronous orbit, so that they're always going around the the Earth and facing the sun all the time, regardless of whether the Earth is spinning. They'll be able to face the sun, so they get to use the power from those solar panels, which means they don't necessarily need all that extra fuel and and stuff to move around or power. They're able to get that in that specific orbit. And it's pretty cool because the Falcon 9 actually flew south uh, down by the poles because it was deploying it into that orbit. And it's a really rare kind of launch because you've got to, uh, I was reading in one of the articles, you've got to thread the needle between Florida and Cuba as as you're flying by and so it's it's not you're flying over land, right? It's not like the coast the coast of Florida. You're just flying off into the water and if something happens uh, You know, you at least dump into the ocean. This is this is flying over land So it's a real cool visual opportunity for the people down in Florida. It, it's it's a really valuable orbit for something like this And if you really think about it the fact that 2.2 million dollars to launch something at the space is the ride share price shows you just how expensive and how out of reach Going to space and utilizing low Earth, gra- low Earth orbit or gathering research that's needed from space, you know, being in a space environment, $2.2 million is a lot of money, and this is cheap for that. And, you know, just specifically for the Transporter 1 program from SpaceX, again, there's other opportunities here from people like Firefly and, and Rocket Lab, but you can go up to 150 kilograms for $2.2 million. And then you basically, for... An extra kilogram, you're basically looking at fifteen dollars or twenty thousand dollars more for every kilogram after that hundred and fifty. So, you know, the name of the game here is really, really small. These CubeSats make it happen. And one of the other really interesting things is is the list of people that were on this rideshare mission for Transporter 1. A lot of them actually were not discussed. They actually didn't want to disclose that they were launching on this mission. And there's plenty of them that were, you know, we've got NASA. Well, first, before we even talk about the the customers, uh, this apparently spans 11 countries. 11 different countries were involved in this one single launch of 143 satellites. So there was so much value to this one single launch into orbit. NASA, the Department of Defense for the U.S., organizations like Planet, Swarm Technologies, Kepler Communications, Spire... Capella Space, ICEYE, the Space Force actually had some satellites launch as well, a company called Celestis, which is, uh, I'll, I'll pull this up here and we'll share the link, we'll, we'll share a link to uh, whatever companies we can get their information here. But just to show you the different companies that exist, right, this is just a, which just caught my eye. Celestis is a memorial spaceflight company. And starting at $4,995. You can launch a loved one's remains into orbit on this service, and you actually there's a personal flight capsule launched uh, to Earth orbit aboard a commercial rocket. In this case, it was a Falcon 9. There's actually an invitation to attend that launch, so you can actually see your loved one's remains launched into space. So even and even if the time COVID right, if you, if you weren't able to go to the launch, you're actually able to watch the memorial service and the launch live via a webcast, and to think that's that's a service being offered for $5,000, right? So, I mean, just think about that. Uh, as strange as it is to talk about, you know, death and, and that kind of thing, it's a reality for all of us, right? And there's definitely a lot of people who find themselves in a position where, you know, they didn't have uh, even a place to bury somebody, right? They didn't have a plot in a cemetery. And from what I understand, $5,000 for uh, a ceremony of someone's death is actually reasonable price so it's just how strange the spectrum of companies that's why i bring this up (laughs) it's uh, it's strange the spectrum of value that can be provided with people launching into space and having that ability to ride share along with other people on a rocket into a similar orbit this gives there is a lot more opportunity in space and for a space economy than we really even think. So again, very strange topic. (laughs) But there's so many people that are looking for these rides into space. Uh, And again, some people were not even willing to disclose the fact that they were on this mission. But sending stuff into orbit, doing business in space is not some new idea. And this is what brings us ultimately to our question of the balance, right? Of of the problem that's at hand here. So we we have these cube satellites, right? Uh, and this is this is the kind of the the backlash of something uh, like this launch. 143 satellites go out. It gets a bunch of press about all these satellites going out. There's definitely a reasonable cry for how are we going to track all of these? satellites. Is there tracking going on for all these satellites? Are there calculations being done to calculate the the impact risk or or, or you know, has has the entire lifetime of that orbit, because it's gonna keep going, right? That thing's gonna keep orbiting until it either de orbits and burns up into the atmosphere, or it could potentially hit something else in orbit, cause a, a Kessler effect where literally we just just like in the movie Gravity, right? where one thing hits another and you create this cascade of debris that then makes going into space nearly impossible. Now, there's also the other problem of the fact that even before now, even before SpaceX was an idea, we already had too much orbital debris that was accounted for, never mind the stuff that isn't accounted for, right? We just we just recently identified a booster from the Apollo era that had been jettisoned and the only reason we found out about it is because it was moving in a way that we didn't realize that didn't look like it was an asteroid. We we literally were like, "Oh, that's probably just an asteroid or a comet." And because it was moving in a way we didn't understand, we found out the it was an actual booster. But we didn't know that that was there. This has been happening since the 50s, since the, in the 60s. And if you've seen that that graphic online, we'll we'll put this one up here. I think it's from Neil deGrasse Tyson. This has been a problem for a really, really long time. And so is the space industry, is space as, a, as an Earth venture, is space ready for all of these small satellites to start launching when we already have way too much space debris? And that's a legitimate question. That's a, a legitimate concern, especially when you consider the actual size of these small satellites. I mean, it's one thing to track the International Space Station, right? Uh, something basically the size of a football field, right? And we're we, you could barely catch that in the sky, right? If, if you're lucky and you get a clear night, you can see that. But that's that's what's visible, and that's just a spot. That's just a a little dot of light. How are you gonna track these? If one launch sent 143 of, of satellites of this size, how do you track those? Is there tracking on board? Th- there's, it, this is a question that I'm I'm looking more into, so that I can challenge this idea and not just, uh, s- you know, see that I'm 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 siding with Stark Industries or with <laughs> with SpaceX, because this is this is a legitimate problem. Now, in my research, what I did find is we've got a few things going for us here in space race 2.0. With space race 2.0, we have thank goodness. SpaceX and NASA, NASA being the real the, the the guidance of going into space, right? They worked together with SpaceX for the Dragon capsule. We were able to get the commercial crew program up and running, and NASA was even a part of this mission, sending up their own Cube satellites, right? So there's there is a partnership going on, and I would be hard pressed to say that NASA isn't giving them guidance, right? NASA is definitely giving them guidance, and there's definitely things that SpaceX has to do to prove before they fly anything. But they've gained the trust of NASA. The Space Force also now is tasked with tracking and creating a catalog of all of these things in orbit. All that that crazy amount of stuff that we saw orbiting the planet, their new task as a new branch of the military is to do tracking for that and to make sure that we can if someone wants to launch on Tuesday, we'll be able to tell them when to launch because we'll know what's there and we'll we'll be able to calculate the risk of something impacting another thing as it goes up into space. So we have all these challenges and I, and I see this move to basically say we sh- we shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be allowing SpaceX or or these companies to to go into space. We need, you know, we're just not there yet. It's not time for that. And I'm not quite sure that's the right way to approach that. And this, this is where we enter, enter my opinion on the, on, the, on the subject here. So, And let me give you some context on this opinion, right? So we talked about this before. My college project was to work on a team, an inter- interdisciplinary team, to create a... Well, I'll pull it up here so we can get more specific about this. I was on one of three teams that was involved in designing this mission for this cube satellite and the idea was we were going to have this cube satellite. I'll read our abstract here just so that you guys can actually hear. So the goal of this major qualifying project was the design of a thermal, mechanical, and power subsystems of a CubeSat supporting a university-led science mission to orbit an x-ray spectrophotometer. So that spectrophotometer was going to be taking readings of the sun, gathering space weather readings. We were going to be able to provide information that could develop A theory or at least take info on the Sun at that time in 2012 that was the time we were doing this project um, there was a lot of concern for the Sun's activity it was very high at that time we had a lot of uh, coronal mass ejections a lot of sunspots so there was a big focus towards researching the Sun and seeing what was going on and back then I remember applying for this project and I remember thinking wow we could actually be able to launch a mission into space. We could actually and, and and of course in my mind and I think everyone else that signed up for that project, uh <laughs> we were we were going to design a spacecraft and then go see it launch. Now, uh they didn't not tell us it wasn't going to launch, which was a good thing on on the professor's parts. <laughs> um but it was a really I mean that that experience was super valuable for me as an engineer. I learned that I like working with people on projects way more than I like sitting behind a whiteboard or a piece of paper or behind a lab experiment doing the step-by-step procedure I learned that I I actually excel way more at that than I do on the, the the pure uh science of like one person right like I guess the the difference would be I think that's why I'm an engineer and not necessarily a theoretical physicist right because like a theoretical physicist is going to work on their theories on their things and and develop but yeah they'll, they'll have some other people help with papers but it's really more of a single track it's it's about that person right like Einstein right um I wouldn't be good at what Einstein did but I'm good at helping work on a team and 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 do my part and share my work right I remember one of one of the meetings we had, and so there were a bunch of teams, right, ours was the mechanical power and thermal subsystem design team. So we were working on the actual model of the spacecraft. So ours, uh, our spacecraft was going to be three of these CubeSats tall, three stacked together. And we were going to have all those instruments inside. And I remember we were looking up, we were trying to source materials, we ended up going with Clyde Space, because they were really the only website, like it was, in 2012, this is part of what spurred the podcast for me. In 2012, it was really difficult to find aerospace engineering content online. Uh, the company Clydespace that provided uh, supplies for satellites specifically, um, they had a really great website at that time, especially for 2012. And we were able to source their stuff and, and basically our my sub team we were designing the parts in SOLIDWORKS so that we could actually have a visual representation of the spacecraft and all its components so that we could then pass that on to the thermal team and then the thermal team could take our physical models and run simulations. They could see how the thermal distribution of being in the sun, uh, some areas cooler, some areas hotter, what is that going to do if our satellite is facing the same direction all the time? What is the heat distribution going to be like from the front to the back? Cuz the front's going to be really hot and the back's going to be really cold. What does that do to the inside? Are the components rated for that kind of a condition? That's what our team was doing. And then there was another team that was working on the actual electrical like is is the actual power in the system capable if we're only running solar panels on this are we getting enough sunlight over the lifetime of this mission to actually run everything and and, and what is the wiring we need to do and and can we run it through those simulations uh, and some of the team members actually got to put our our satellite mock-up in a vacuum chamber to test some of those conditions so a- as far as an experience as an engineer this was about as good as it got and i i uh, this is we we won we won an award for it um, for for putting our paper together. It, it was a really really amazing opportunity. Uh, I wouldn't trade that for the world. This is what gets me so passionate. I've 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 worked on missions like this and these rideshare missions. Again, to bring it back to context, when people say we shouldn't be sending all these missions up there, to me. I'm like we've been talking about this since at least 2012 for you to bring up the fact now just because SpaceX happened to launch 143 satellites seems a little ridiculous to me. And then if we look at the history if we go even further back and talk about the real problem here right the problem is we're not prepared. We can agree on that anyone that says we're not ready to send all these satellites up there. I agree with you on the basis that there isn't a system ready. We, we're not ready for this. I, I agree. We don't have a perfect system to mitigate all the risk. You're 100% correct. But this has also been a problem since the 70s. And it's also been a promise from the space industry that even in the early 2000s, the 90s, when the space shuttle was running from the 70s up until 2011, there was an implication... That business was going to be able to happen in space because the space shuttle was going to be able to bring things into orbit the space shuttle built the international space station which was going to be this hub for scientific research and then the the dream the the hope of of what could be from the space industry was that people could then do business in space they could do science they could go to orbit experience those conditions i mean that's what the iss was doing the iss was doing experiments. That were being paid to help fund those programs to be in that condition right that's what the iss does so this problem has been a problem for a very long time and we did not do anything we didn't do enough to get us to the point where we're prepared to analyze the risk of all of these objects right so my thing is when we talk about we shouldn't be doing this to me as an engineer and as someone that has worked on these satellites and and had that dream of we're going to launch this. We're now at this point, nine years later, that these colleges, these, these academies, these universities, these businesses like Capella Space, like Spire, Kepler Communications, Swarm Technologies, Planet, Celestis. This is the promise that's been made for a very long time. And we got lucky. We got very lucky that after we retired in 2011, the space shuttle, that capability went away. We, we had the ULA. We had the Delta IV. We, we had some capability, but it was not the business aspect. It was not affordable to go into space yet. And now with people like Rocket Lab, Firefly, SpaceX, and the rest even the SLS was based on this idea that we would be sending missions and other satellites into orbit now we need the we need to work the problem right think think about the Martian right Let, let's let's talk about the balance here so and th- this is this is i'm i'm trying to be honest with this because uh i'm trying to bring a personal aspect of of balance in my life so i recently went to the dentist and it may seem like a really minor thing but I smoked cigarettes we've talked about this before and in my past with addiction and even dealing with that same mindset today I smoked cigarettes a pack a day for about six years I was smoking cigarettes when I was doing that CubeSat project that, that we're discussing right now so all the way nine years ago I was still smoking cigarettes and and when I went to the dentist recently which was a terrifying experience I remember in my phone call to the dentist they asked when was the last time you had a cleaning and I had to think about it and the person on the phone was like two years three years (laughs) I think the longest time they had on the sheet that I was filling out was three years and I said six and in reality it was nine years since I had been to the dentist and that's a terrifying terrifying thing especially since six years ago i stopped smoking cigarettes and so i i did this because i just finally got to the point where literally my teeth started hurting there was a few teeth and this is during covid right so it was the most anxiety producing i just got to the point where i had i just i was i was starting to clench too as I mean, how could we not be clenching in this time, right? It, this, the stress level is so high. So, what my point is, it was my fault that I hadn't gone to the dentist in nine years. I can't blame anyone else for that, other than myself. Uh, and it was super stressful. And I had done a whole bunch of things. You know, I, I had bought a new toothbrush. I had made sure I started flossing. This is this is years I was doing this work to get to get back to a point where I was being healthy, taking care of myself reason this podcast exists is because it's good for my mental health uh, and it makes me a better person so (laughs) so i finally went to the dentist it was super stressful but i finally dealt with the problem that was at hand for a really long time and i got really lucky i had been taking care of myself well i i had been doing all the good behaviors for a few years now My teeth are in pretty decent shape, other than the grinding that I need to handle. That's a whole other issue. i probably got to get a mouthpiece for that. I've got to handle that. Uh, And I only have, after nine years of not going to the dentist, I only have one cavity, which is, uh, it sucks that I have to go get a cavity fixed, but the fact that it was nine years and I only have one, that, if, if I had just looked at the risk, if I had just said, oh, well, You know the risk is i could have 32 cavities like and i don't even know if you have 32 teeth but (laughs) if if i just looked at the 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 risk like people are looking at this problem of orbital debris and and just the the overwhelming problem at hand you'd never solve the problem you would end up in paralysis analysis the exact thing that happened to me that i was guilty that i went all that time that i had smoked cigarettes that i didn't take care of myself I let that get in the way of me not solving the problem, and so as I turn 31, and I start telling myself we've got to work on the problem. That's that's why this podcast has gotten better, right? Because we've we've focused on the problem and we're we're going after it. We're executing on those things, and we're doing right. We're going out and we're doing stuff about it. That's my message about what's going on with this this pushback about ride-sharing into space yes we need to analyze the risk so let's help the space force do that one of the cool things i was reading about is that the space force was saying and this is again the people in the space force came over from the air force right who was doing this before who's doing orbital tracking and all this stuff the space force and you can look in these articles in this week's episode they're saying that SpaceX is actually better at at giving them information on orbital tracking of stuff going into space. So I, I just think this is the same problem we have with everything else that's going on in today's world. There's a lot of people who are dealing with hard stuff, and, and look, we all are. And we can jump on narratives and jump on things and get really emotional and get into this paralysis analysis and not doing anything about it. But... There is a lot of really good momentum going on right now in the space program. And with President Biden, the momentum looks like it will continue. At what rate? That's something we'll have to decide once budgets get written. I mean, the the fact that there's a moon rock inside of the Oval Office, that's a really good thing. Uh, the fact that Biden was literally a part of the Obama administration's move towards the commercial crew program, right? The whole reason we're in this momentum that we're in today is partly because of their work to get it started right so around this time around this 2011 2012 time so we're in a really good spot to start dealing with these problems the problem is big the problem is large and it will take a lot of concerted effort but there are people out there that want to solve this problem I mean, should look at the vacuum that spacex filled with talented engineers from around the the us that flocked to that place because they actually had the opportunity to solve a problem as big as interplanetary species delivery you know of, of sending humans across the, the solar system of colonizing mars that goal was so large that it attracted the best talent we've got the same problem going on with this orbital tracking thing and if we address the problem the right way and we and we create a situation where we can bring in talented individuals to address this problem, we can solve this problem. But saying that we shouldn't go into space or we should stop doing this or, or the problem is so great that we can't do anything about it, that's not, a, in my opinion, that is not a scientific ideal. That is not a scientific approach to that problem. And I know I'm real passionate about this, but this, is, this literally uh, connects to... What I had been working on in, in in my early career of of the space program, part of the thing that gets me so passionate about the space program and why I'm able to talk about this on a, on a on a weekly basis is is because of these opportunities that are out there, and I guess my my final <laughs> thoughts here because we're already at what 37 minutes here or so. The space industry has been promoting this idea of business and this push towards having a space economy has been there for a really long time. Again, the space shuttle program was the 70s, man. So we need to focus on the fact that it's here. That's the reality. Is this momentum for space travel and for going into space and, having, and giving people access to low-Earth orbit, it's here. So we need to work the problem and not focus on how big the problem is. We need to focus on how we're going to solve it. And if, if that solution means we need more talented people, then let's focus on that. Let's focus on getting the message out there to get more people involved in doing that. Let's let's bump up the voices of, of companies working on this problem, which we're going to do here uh, probably in March since all of, all of uh, February is going to be pretty much Mars. We'll, we will address this, but there are actually some missions finally getting out there that are going to address this orbital debris problem. I remember back when I was doing this this senior project for our CubeSat, which I think we ended up calling Icarus. Uh or or we didn't call it Icarus because that would have wouldn't have been good close to the sun. I forget what we called it. I'll have to ask I'll have to ask some of my friends from, from back in the day that we did the product together with. But like this the problem is here we need to figure out how to solve this. And I don't I'm not saying I have the answers. I I'm saying let's let's get excited about solving the problem and not being so overwhelmed by the size of the problem that we end up not doing anything about it because that's what happened to our space industry almost a decade ago we got overwhelmed with the problem of the space shuttle and dealing with sending human beings into space that we canceled the program without having a real next step for what we were going to do so that is my passionate argument for the balance for this week is the space industry ready for all these rideshare opportunities is the space industry ready for all of these small satellites for for a continuing amount of these 143 satellites going into into orbit maybe not right now but we have the best chance right now with the momentum we just had from the last eight years that we can actually make a good shot at solving this at finally putting forth the infrastructure to track all of these things. You know, it's, it's, it's tough to think back. But 10 years ago, we didn't have all of this, all of these eyes and all of this money being put towards space. Now is the time to ask for these things. So if keep, keep being critical, keep figuring out ways that we're not succeeding but don't go so far that you don't allow solutions to happen and that's advice to me as it is to everyone else because as an engineer as a person of science as a as an analytical thinking person i can very very easily obsess about the things that don't matter and so while i come at this with much passion uh uh, uh for the people that are saying we can't do this. It's also me arguing with myself (laughs) about the things that I tell myself I can't do. And that's what these episodes about the balance is about. It's about connecting these really complex things that are happening in the science industry, in the space industry, and connecting them to real life because they're really not that far off from the problems we deal with on a day-to-day, human-to-human basis. So that's our episode for this week. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Today in Space. I hope that made sense. I did go off on a rant there, but my heart was in it, and uh, I'd love to know what you guys think about that. So uh, please let us know what you think about this episode, what your thoughts are about ride-sharing into space. Uh, are you for it? Are you against it? What are your solutions? What do you think would be a good idea to help us solve this problem, to work the problem, to science the shit out of it, as they say in The Martian? So, I'd love to hear from you. Hit us up on Today in Space Pod on Instagram and Twitter, Today in Space Podcast at gmail.com, uh, and of course at Today in Space on TikTok, and Today in Space Podcast on our Facebook page, too. That's it, folks. Thank you for joining us. Make sure to subscribe, like our stuff on social media, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, on YouTube. We've been making growth and that's because of you, because of people like you sharing with people, telling your friends, hey, I found this cool space podcast. Uh, you're interested in space. Why don't you check this out? That is because of you. So thank you very much. Uh, we're looking forward to more growth here in 2021 and to help get, help spread love and spread science, right? We're we're, we're here to help push ideas that may be new for in in, in the science perspective you know new ideas that that need to need a push to get out to the public we're also here to break down really complex stuff that may not make sense to you or or isn't really coming through the right way we're here to kind of try and break this down and of course talk to people who are working in the industry people who love science whether they're working in it or even if it's just sci-fi that's we're here for all things space so thank you for joining us We'll see you next time. Hopefully Starship SN9 will launch by then, and we'll cover that. If not, we will see you in February for the month of Mars and Black History Month. Be good. Spread love, spread science. See you next time.